Introducing the future of driving with Ford electric vehicles now available at Jim K. Ford. Say goodbye to gas stations and hello to efficiency with electric power that delivers a smooth and silent ride. With advanced technology and smart features, you'll experience a whole new level of convenience and connectivity. And with Ford's commitment to sustainability, you'll also be doing your part for the planet. So come on down to Jim K. Ford today and test drive the future with Ford EVs or visit us online at JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! The other way goes Greg. Giordano trying to get back. Greg fumbled the puck a little bit. Shot scores. Chickburn on the rebound. And the Ottawa Senators win it in overtime. Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. We've got a very busy show, very busy show on the way today. Sends go 2-0 against the Leafs. When is it not fun to beat the Leafs, ladies and gentlemen? Which stars have impressed so far in training camp? Which of the lower-ranked players have maybe raised their stock? So we'll get to that and much more today here on the program. My name is Steve Warren. That guy chuckling there is the coach, Greg Kennedy. Greg, how are you today? I'm good, Stephen. I I know it's a hockey show. I know it's a send show, but I'm very excited about my Blue Jays. Looking good. I, I I think even they can win three of their remaining games and clinch a playoff spot. I'm looking forward to it. Have you got like an opponent in mind if they get there yeah, that just, you'd hey, prefer to? Who cares? Just get oh. there for crying out loud. Apparently, they they keep telling me pitching a defense, pitching a defense. They're good. They're going to do well in the in the playoffs. They they didn't do well last year. The pitching wasn't exactly phenomenal. But uh, yeah, the pitching and defense looks real good. Uh, I think they'll do. They'll they'll put up a fight. I I can see them getting out of the first round anyway. Yeah, big week for the Jays, no doubt about that. But it's also been a a big week for the Sens as they get playing hockey again. And really, we've been uh, we've been rolling for quite some time here on the podcast as we do each and every year, rolling through the summer, pining for some actual hockey games to talk about. Granted, it's only preseason, but isn't it nice to actually have some hockey? to talk about greg it's finally right it's it's wonderful and and as you as you alluded to two teams over the blue two wins over the blue team you gotta love that i I thought they looked good in both games and and, uh they might have let off the take the foot off the gas a little bit in the second game but uh they were the better team over the course of uh 120 minutes i guess or 122 minutes or so or whatever it was i thought they were the better team and they look they're looking good yeah, I like that concept of having a home and home series in consecutive days. Because that the first game was okay. <clears throat> I thought the first game was okay, but the second game I thought had a lot of intensity to it, and it looked like it was going to be one of those games where last goal wins scenario, three uh, two after the first period, and then it's kind of in shutdown mode from there. But there's lots of intensity and hits and opportunities. And sometimes we see, you know couple of periods go by and there's not much scoring. It usually equates to a dull game. Not this one. There's lots and lots of chances. So I thought it had a real regular season feel to it and the animosity of the Leafs losing and wanting to maybe come back with their better roster, their stars were in the lineup. Uh, I think that's a good thing for the preseason, to be honest, to get out there and, you know, actually do a back-to-back like that. It adds a little spice to things, doesn't it? Yeah, and and – you didn't mention it, but really, you saw two completely different lineups from both teams 
both nights. That probably played into it. I think they watched the first game and, and the first game was good. Not as good as the second game. I thought, as you just said, in intensity, but the Leafs playing at home, you know, the first game with Matthews and Marner, the home crowd stirring them on. They lost the night before they, they brought a little more the second game and that, that, and, and the Sens answered that and were, were equally competitive in the second game as they were in the first game. But I think that probably had as much to do with it playing back to back and one team losing and then going home and it's the Leafs. So that's definitely going to fire up both clubs. Both the Leafs have been fired up to play at home and anybody wearing a Senator jersey gets fired up to play the, to play the Leafs in Toronto. Yeah. Let's get into things in terms of the games and uh, and who is impressed so far. Like I said off the top, there were a number of the core guys on this team who looked really, really good in uh, in that first game or the second one, depending on which one we're talking about. Um, so I'll let you have first go at it. Who did you think looked the you know among the among the star players uh, who really grabbed your attention? Well, I, I, in the first game, I thought uh, Jake Sanderson was the best player on the ice. Um, and, and I thought uh, Tim Stutzla wasn't far behind him. They were the two best players on the ice. Uh, I thought in, in the second game, I really liked watching uh, Yarventi and, uh, and Kubalik. They were, they were strong. I'm only going to go through the sense. I don't care about the Leafs. Uh, Kubalik and, and Yarventi were very strong in game two. Um, I didn't really know what I would what to, what to expect out of Dominic Kubalik. I can admit I've never really watched him play that much, but I, I liked what he brought to the game. Um, I was uh, I was happy with uh, Ridley Gregg's performance. He looked good. I thought both goaltenders looked good in both games. And uh, did I miss anybody? Uh, Tarasenko playing left wing wasn't too bad. Well, I'd like I mean, you to miss a couple of guys to leave me a little bit of meat on the bone to, to <laughs> chime in with my takes on things. You, you, you go uh, right. I didn't ahead. say give me all of the stars. I said a couple of the stars that grabbed your attention, and then I'd go and clean up whatever was left. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's go okay. Go ahead, Steve. Who did you like? Well, I mean, of the guys, I, I, I agree with everything you said there. Certainly, Yarventi uh, would be in my lower lights, which we'll talk about here in a second. But uh, Chikrin was certainly a guy in that second game that impressed the hell out of me. Um, I liked his gap control because I mean, everybody's going to talk about the goals, the overtime winner, uh, the really, really good shot from uh, kind of the coming off the wall, I guess. If you No, he wasn't coming off the wall in that one, but that was kind of the position that he was in and uh, just wired one. But I liked his gap control. I, I liked uh, his aggression. Like he's called, he wants the puck on his stick. It was one point where his D partner was out there. It wasn't uh, Shabbat at that point. It was another defenseman and Basically, Chikram was on the go, and 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 his D partner was standing still, retrieving the puck. And he's like, basically, give me the puck, give me the puck. I'm going, I'm going. And uh, and I just liked his aggression. I liked uh, some of the passes he was making on the power play. I thought uh, he would be, um, besides all the guys you mentioned there, uh, he would be the guy that would uh, be my number one guy. He just uh, and he badly outplayed Thomas Shabbat. I thought who was his D partner on the night. They both got around 30 minutes of ice time. We'll talk about that in a second. But I thought he was considerably better than Thomas Shabbat, as uh, well as frankly I expected. <laughs> yeah, and 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 we we discussed the power play units, and and at one point we uh, we were talking about between the big three of of Chikrin and Shabbat and Sanderson, who's going to be on unit one, who's on unit two, who's not going to play. And I had I had sort of thrown it out there that I like the idea of Shabbat at the top and Chikrin playing the right flank as a left shot, and, mm-hmm. and I thought he, he looked pretty good there. Like that first power play, he made some really nice heady plays, finding Batherson on the back door, um, 
uh, the shot for the goal. He just, he, he looks right over there in that slot. But, and actually speaking of the power play, how about Josh Bailey playing bumper guy on the other unit in, in, in game one? Now that was a bit of a surprise to me, but he didn't look out of place there at all either. It's funny you mentioned that because that was something I wanted to talk about with uh, that bumper play. I think the Sens PK is probably going to have to work a little on that because in that second game in the 4-3 victory on the power play, the Leafs were taking advantage of that. They actually got one goal from Easton Cowan doing that. There was at least a couple of other great opportunities that Sogard had to be good on. So that's uh, that's something I'd suggest that the coaching staff will want to work on between now and opening night. Yeah, well, it, it, it comes from the two flank guys being much more spread out uh, by the Leafs, right? The, their, their two flank guys are further out and they're actually deeper in the zone. They're, they're down tops of circles or lower. And that kind of creates a little more space for the bumper guy in the high slot. And then he just sneaks in. And you're talking about that little from the wall down below the goal line and a one touch to the slot for the goal there by the, by the, the, the kid, uh, Cowan, is it? Um, Easton that, Cowan. That play. Yeah, like that's a play that the Senators have used to success a lot in the past. It's just there. And any good team that moves the puck around quickly on the power play, that that hole's going to open up, unfortunately. And the, the weak side guy, the weak side forward's got to get across and pick that guy up. And it doesn't always happen if the team's moving the puck too fast. Some of the lesser lights who may have raised their stock a little bit, we've already hit on Roby Arventi. I think we can agree that uh, he and Dominic Kubelik had some instant chem- chemistry in that second game. But uh, and I'll go deep on this one since uh, go go. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, we'll go with uh, Cole Reinhardt. I thought he was really really good. He had one play where he has this furious back check coming out of the defense or the offensive zone, uh, steals the puck away, circles back the other direction, sprints past Leafs defenseman Jake McCabe, cuts to the net and almost gets a goal. He also had a breakaway, couldn't finish on that unfortunately. But I thought he was buzzing all night. Angus Crookshank hit the crossbar in overtime. I thought he was busy. Matthew Joseph was buzzing around. And uh, in the first game, Igor Sokolov, I thought, showed a little more moxie as far as his skating goes. I had a great conversation with Igor Sokolov for the upcoming issue of Faces Magazine. And uh, just a just a really quality kid. And, uh, you know, he was, he's, he's really pleased that he's got his contract behind him. And, uh, yeah, that, that might be a dark horse still. I thought he looked really good in game number one. Any thoughts on any of those choices or maybe any that you want to add? Yeah, I, I, I like to Angus Crookshank. I know he's one of your, one of your favorites. Um, I thought that whole line looked good in the, in their game. Um, a stop Chuck, uh, I, you know, I kind of expected more from him, but I guess I, I come away from it now thinking, okay, who's the bottom six? I know it still comes down to who's going to be here and who's not. But some guys looked a lot better than others in bottom six roles. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that Zach McEwen did anything to impress me, but I know he's going to be there. If he's not in the 12, he's the 13th forward. He's the, hey, we're playing a tough team tonight. We need you in the lineup guy. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know that Sokolov makes the team. I don't know that – I don't even know that Yarventi makes the team. Um Castellick's probably set in stone. I think it comes down to a Parker Kelly versus a Ridley Gregg, probably. If Joseph is here and not traded, he's probably in the in the lineup. If Pinto signed, he's in the bottom six. So there's we we and Kubalik is probably there too. So there's not a lot of room down there. And I think the only one that really stepped up to me out of all of them that I think can play here, uh, or sorry, will play here is, is Ridley Gregg. 
What, what, what are you thinking? Are you, you, are you impressed with Yarventi or Sokolov enough that you think maybe they, they usurp somebody and get in there in the bottom six come game one? I thought Sokolov showed me a little something, not because I had a conversation with him, but he showed a little something in the first game where he had a little more quickness, a little more will to battle. And between his skill and his ability to protect the puck with a gigantic body, um, he intrigued me. Uh, he's not there mm-hmm. yet, but he certainly intrigued me. And he certainly, he's been paying his dues down on the farm. He was their leading scorer in Belleville last year. And if he can do if he can continue to do the kinds of things that he did in the first game, I mean, I got to think that's got to be more of an impact type of a player than Parker Kelly was. Even, you know, Kelly wasn't even that noticeable in the, in the second game no. against the Leafs in the preseason. So I don't think that's, I think, I think that's a nice fourth line player, but I don't think that's a, a mandatory starter for this organization right now. Yeah. And let's not forget though. He's one of, uh, he's, he's, he's a DJ fave. He so it's sure kind of like he's, he's at least penciled in, I think, to be playing yeah. fourth line left wing with, with Kastelik and somebody, if that somebody is McEwen or that somebody is Ridley Gregg or that somebody is Sokolov. Uh, yeah. I don't know who. Do we, do we need to talk about Robbie Arventi playing both games or are we going to wait for that or <laughs> what, do you, uh, what do you think? As a matter of policy, thinking back, because I've been around this organization forever, thinking back now in hindsight, totally in hindsight, Marty St. Louis was part of this organization and never got to play in a preseason game. He was invited to Sens training camp and they cut him without having a look at him. Who knows if he got into a game, maybe it had done something. If you're bringing somebody to camp, I'd like to see him for a minute or two, at least in one preseason game. But uh, (laughs) yeah. uh, Yeah. That said, it is interesting that Yarventi played two games before some other guys even got into a game that haven't even been cut yet. Yeah. I, I'm I'm thinking as it, it is it the showcase like our our negotiations with Philly. You take Matthew Joseph and a sweetener uh, so that we can free up some cap space. And Philly's asking for a first round draft choice as the sweetener. And the Senators are saying, "Well, wait a minute. How about this Yarventi kid, or how about this Sokolov guy?" And maybe they're in Yarventi's case. Maybe Philly expressed a bit of an interest or spoke highly enough of him that, uh, that the senators made the decision that maybe he needed to play twice so that you could get some uh, real good looks at him. And if that's the case, he looked real good. He looked, he, he looked good enough. Let's put it that way, that, that the fly team like the flyers might be interested. All right, let's take a time out of the program. When we come back, we'll hear from the stars of that second game. I would say that'd be Jacob Chikrin and Mad Sogard. And that's coming up after these words. Introducing the all-new 2023 Ford Bronco Sport, now available at Jim K. Ford. With its rugged design and off-road capabilities, this SUV is built for adventure. Whether you're heading off the beaten path or just cruising around town, the Bronco Sport delivers performance, comfort, and style. With four-wheel drive, terrain management system, and advanced safety technology, you can take on any road with confidence. Adventure awaits at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans or JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! All right, welcome back to the program. Jacob Chikrin had a fine game in the uh, Sens 4-3 victory in overtime. He scored once and then scored the OT winner and uh, came on a two-on-one just after, oh, that's just terrible. Austin Matthews with a little spinorama, just missed it and actually ends up rimming it into a two-on-one led by Ridley Gregg, who took a shot that caromed perfectly to Jacob Chikrin 
and he buried it into an empty net. Do you think Craig is doing that on purpose? Is that a is that a set play, or is he just taking a shot on that? No, that 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 had pad pass written all over it. Uh, left shot on the right side. That's a, the perfect execution there. He got so deep that it, there's no way he was scoring from there. But he sees Chickren out of the corner of his eye, and it's a pad pass. That rebound is as good as any pass he could have made. Right? That's yeah. the thought process there. Take two shots to score a goal. Good, good pad pass, and boom, Chickren's in the right spot at the right time, as as really Greg fully expected him to be there. And bad rebound control, and you get a goal out of it. Yeah, sometimes threading the needle through that defenseman to the guy you're on a two-on-one with is, is oh, going to yeah. be a tricky thing, and sometimes you just slam it off the goalie and hope for the best, and that worked out very nicely. But to that point, Ridley Gregg, well, I was going to say, at that point, <laughs> Ridley Gregg started stumbling and bumbling through the neutral zone, and it was awfully close. Did you think, you, well, I'm, I'm asking a question I've already heard the answer to. <laughs> <laughs> I think that if that's a regular season game, and the Toronto Maple Leafs would have would have definitely called for the review, and yeah, he, he. I'm sorry, folks. He did not have full and complete possession of that puck as he crossed the blue line. No, like uh, to set the record straight, the rules say you can't go in backwards. Your feet can go in ahead of the puck if you're in possession of the puck, and and he was not like that. Uh, no way. That's that's offside every day of the week, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I mean, but then again, it's preseason. Who cares? You know, it doesn't matter that much. But in a regular season game, I think that goal would have been taken back on review. But this is what Jacob Chikrin had to say about the winning goal. Yeah, it was just a great play. I was pretty tired at the end of the shift there, and I just tried to beat Marner up the ice. And Ridzy made a really nice read, nice play off the far pad. So, um, yeah, I ended up right on my tape. There is Jacob Chikrin, one of the game stars. And the other one from the victory Monday night in Toronto would be Mad Sogard. I think that uh, the final score, well, they got the W, so that favors them automatically. But, uh, you know, I thought Mad Sogard really had a terrific hockey game, a lot of five-alarm saves in that game. And mm-hmm. Sogard's in a tough spot. You know, I mean, he's uh, still a kid, still hasn't really had a full season in the American Hockey League, but played quite a bit of NHL hockey last year and looked very good in that game. But he's hopelessly in that number three role. But, he says he's going to be ready no matter what, whether it be Ottawa or Belleville. Uh, I mean, I, I think a big mindset for me in the summer was just, uh, I mean, you, you never know what can happen. Uh, you know, if if someone come up to me and, and tell me that I had to play uh, 30 games in the NHL this year, um, you got to be prepared for it. Um, and if not, then you also got to be prepared to to stay healthy and, and play well wherever you are. So for me, it's just about working as hard as I can and I think if I keep doing that, uh, you know, the the rest will take care of itself. And, um, you know, obviously uh, we have uh, really good goalie depth in, in the organization. And I think that's just great because it pushes us every day and uh, everyone wants to uh, to be the best. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a high level of, uh, of competition out there every day. So, you know, it's great to to have Corpy come in and, uh, and add to that. And, uh, yeah, great guy and great to, to work with him. So there's Mad Sogard in conversation with the media after the game on Monday night. Uh, obviously, you have to have that attitude. You can't just come in and start saying things like, I'm better than those guys. I can play in the NHL right now. You got to stay humble and, and, and pay your dues if that's the case. But that's a guy that's got to be ready because this, this team has had a black cloud over it, Greg, in terms of injuries over the last few years. Yeah, and, and specifically in terms of goaltending, too, and goaltending injuries, it's... Uh... 
He was around last year at the right time and came in and, and gave them some solid play when, when required. Um, I, I thought, I mean, it's tough, right? Because it was two totally different games as far as the action that the goaltenders saw between Forsberg in game one and Sogard in game two. But I thought Sogard, uh, he looked better. He had more work. He had to, he had the bigger, better saves. There was more pressure on him at times in front of the net late in the game, especially. I, I thought he had a better game, but then, you know, they both got a win and Forsberg's probably got a job. I'm pretty, well, I should even say probably Forsberg's got a job. Like Sogard is not going to be starting the season here. So that's the exact attitude he needs to have. Like I'm, I'm ready yeah. to go wherever they tell me to go. I'm going to go and I'm going to play and I'm going to play a lot and I'm going to do the best I can. And when the call comes, I'll be ready to go for that too. One of the strategies that NHL coaches have in preseason is sometimes to divvy up the games. This goal is going for the first 30 minutes. This goal is going for the last 30. And it seems like DJ Smith has decided in the early going here anyway to give guys a full 60 minutes. Game number one, Forsberg went the distance. Sogard went the distance here. And on Wednesday night, it's supposed to be Jonas Corposalo who goes 60 minutes. As a coach, are you a fan of that or not? Or are you a fan of that? Or are you a fan of divvying it up? Oh, I love it. I love the the full games, especially in this scenario. Uh, we know it's going to be Forsberg and, and Corpusala. We know those are going to be the two guys. So why screw around with putting a cold goalie in for 30 minutes? Or I just, I've never been a fan of it. It sucks, especially uh, there's a lot of minor hockey coaches listening. I know how much they have to deal with that in a, in a preseason game or in a inner squad game where you got to play one goalie for 10 minutes and the other guy for 10, the other guy for 10. And, it's it sucks. It sucks for the goalie. At least in the NHL, they 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 get a warm up, not in a regular season game, but you certainly do in these exhibition games. The goalie gets a warm up, but still, like a poor goalie sitting on the bench for a period and a half doing nothing, and then okay, in you go. Like it's just it's it's not right. So you know who's going to be here for the season. Give them all full games and and move on. I think part of it is. And, and this has been, I think, the mo for a couple of years now, but it's really in place now because. I don't think anybody thinks there's any tomorrow for DJ Smith if this team gets off to another rocky start. Same applies to Pierre Dorian. It's like they're really using this as a dress rehearsal, even though there's some guys obviously playing that aren't anywhere close to being in the NHL yet. Um, I think that'll, you know, by game four and five, I think it's going to be full on dress rehearsal. Haven't seen the rosters yet. I don't think DJ Smith has even uh, given it full thought, but I think right now, just based on the earmarks of, Okay, our goalies are going to play 60-minute games because I want them to be exactly ready, not playing a 30-minute game and then going into the regular season. Our defensemen, our top defensemen, are going to play exactly the minutes they will in the regular season. We saw in game one, Jake Sanderson get close to 30. Thomas Shabbat was over 30 in game two. Uh, Jacob Chikram was near 30. So that's probably how he's going to approach the regular season. He's thinking, let's do it. Let's do it with the uh, with the dress rehearsal as well. Let's do everything exactly the way it will be in the regular season. I think that's that's the best uh, concept I can come up with. Other, unless you have something else as to why DJ is letting his top nope. guys play thirty minutes in meaningless hockey games. Yeah, it struck me as strange, uh, especially in game one and game two. But I but I understand where he's coming from. If if look at it for the other guys. If you are a Lassie Thompson trying to make this team, you're probably only, go- only going to play, uh, you know, 12, 15, maybe as much as 16 or 17 minutes a night, max. 
So let's see how well you can handle that role. That's how many minutes I'm going to give you an exhibition game. And if you come out flat or, you know, you're, you're just, you're not ready to go when we, when you get tapped on the shoulder, then that speaks to what's going to happen down the road when you're in a league game and you haven't played for seven minutes and I need you to go give me, go give me 45 here, kid. And you, and you don't have it, uh, for whatever reason. I'm not saying it's going to be a physical reason, but just you're mentally out of the game. You can't handle the idea of sitting on the bench for long periods of time. Same thing with third and fourth liners here. Those guys are, are not going to be playing 18 minutes a night. So why give them 18 minutes a night in an exhibition game when they're just not going to be that type of player? You need to see who can play 12 minutes. Which which of you guys can actually do that and be effective in that time frame? And that's kind of the way the approach is working here for DJ, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And uh, it'll be interesting come the regular season because you're not going to have three defensemen all around that 30-minute mark in the regular season it will come down to two of them probably will because that's been DJ Smith's game plan. Just ride your horses. Um, although I worry about it some to some degree because, uh, you know, honestly, we saw with Thomas Shabbat, he's a lesser defenseman right. when he's up around 30 minutes. I'm not sure that I want to see anybody up around there, but I'm going to guess that DJ Smith is going to go with the, the top two defensemen he likes and continue to ride them that way. I hope that that's not the case. What do you think happens? Does he does he dial everybody back so that everybody's around 27 in the top four? I would think that's probably the approach he's going to take. We need to see a night where where the, the four of them are playing in a, in a preseason game here and see how the minutes are divvied then. Um, of course, power play, special teams factor into it, right? Uh, Shabbat doesn't kill penalties. Sanderson can do both. Chikrin probably can do both. Um, it, it still remains to be seen, but I'd, I'd like to think that now there's enough insulation there and the past uh, performance of Shabbat trying to play 30 a night, not always being great. All those things should factor into, hey, maybe the right number here is 26, 27 or less for Shabbat. And, and you, you're going to see an increase in Sanderson's minutes. And you've got uh, Chikrin here to pick up some of the slack, too. So I'd, I'd like to think that it's not going to be that bad this season as it's been in the past. I think that just the presence of Sanderson emerging now as a star in the league, Jacob Chikrin's arrival with all three of them healthy. I think it's going to be good for Thomas Shabbat because I think we can all agree. Even if you're the biggest fan of Thomas Shabbat, the guy had a bit of a, I don't know, a step back, I guess. I, I see a guy that needs more urgency in his game, needs more focus in his game. Like what's he doing in that second game on the power play? lazy little backhander that he just puts right into the shin pads of Robertson who goes for a breakaway in the other direction, almost score shorthanded. Uh, thank you, Sogard, by a mistake for that. But I wonder if, like, just knowing that now his number one, I, I, I don't think he is the number one anymore, but you might be still in his mind. But now that it's being threatened, I think it might be good for him. Uh, and if it's not, and he takes a, and he starts to really fade, well, then then there's trouble afoot. But do you think that the presence of both Sanderson and Chikrin as top-notch defensemen threatening that number one situation will be good or bad for for Shabbat? I I can only see it being good. Uh, uh, the only thing that would make it bad is if he has a bad attitude. And nothing about him that I've ever seen from him tells me that he's going to have a bad attitude about it. I think he's right. going to be just fine with it. and And I think it helps him. And uh, we all agree the less minutes he plays, the more effective he is. I, I can't see anything negative coming out of it. It's, it's a great idea. 
finally the the support staff is here to help them. Yeah, I think so. Less minutes, more competition. That should bring the, out the best in him. And if it doesn't, then get worried. Now, because <laughs> I say that, I say that because he's got four years left, four or five years left at an eight million dollar contract. The Sens did uh, make some cuts. Matthew Andonovsky and Thomas Hamara. They've been returned to their OHL clubs, the uh, Kitchener Rangers in both cases. You've got Jorian Donovan, been reassigned to uh, the Bulldogs, and Clattenburg and Stewart released from their respective ATO contracts. So absolutely no surprises, but it won't be long before, Greg, we're hearing some very familiar names starting to disappear, particularly with this team, like I said earlier. I think DJ Smith is, by game four or five, He's really going to want this thing cut down to almost opening night status so they can play two, three games together, work on systems, work on familiarity. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. By by the time that Belleville's ready to start, uh, almost all of these guys will be gone. I think it's going to come down to, you know, Ridley Gregg will stick around a little longer. Yarventi and Sokolov will stick around a little longer. Uh, maybe one or two other guys, but I think the most of them will be you know, Lassie Thompson, JBD. The usual suspects, the guys that have been around a little longer, will stick around a little longer now. But uh, most of the rest of them will be will be gone uh, pretty much as soon as it's feasible to do so. I'm sure you've had some good conversations over the last few days since Michael Landlauer's big news conference last Friday. Serial leaders hiring. Just is a really great feeling in the market right now. Sens fans all talking very positively. Have you been getting that kind of feedback as well? Oh yeah, it's all the talk now. Everybody's excited. Yeah. I, I this is great. It's the best thing to happen in this franchise. Period. You know, you could argue that Eugene Melnick saving it, being the only guy who was willing to come in, was a great thing to happen. You can you can say that Rod Bryden coming in when the team was essentially bankrupt was a great thing to happen. But but this is big. This is huge. And I, and it's not just for the Ottawa Senators. I really think this makes a big difference in the community, in, in the city of Ottawa and Ottawa Gatineau moving forward. I think Michael Andlauer is going to be, and the Ottawa Senators are going to be front and center for a lot of things going on here. And as we uh, wrap up the program, I'm hitting you with this cold. Not totally Uh-oh. cold. Okay. But it was a couple of shows ago. You had a really good Daniel Alfredson trivia question. And I, you probably don't have all the answers on you right now, but I thought it was so good. And we, so we were talking oh, yeah. about Alfie, something light to end the program. How many active NHL players played with Daniel Offertson as a teammate? Didn't we end up coming up with eight or nine? Yeah, it was a bunch. I think we had it was more uh, than we thought it was going to be, right? Yeah. Nick Foligno, um, Eric Carlson, Mike Hoffman. Mark Stone. Mika Zibanejad. Nice one. Uh, Robin Leonard, if he's still mm-hmm. playing. We don't know if he's active or not anymore. I don't think he's officially retired, but I think he's on LTIR. Yeah, yeah, he's injured now. If, if anybody's got any others, let me know. Yep, just uh, email us anytime you like. Sends Nation Podcast at Outlook.com. You got anything to add to that? Active NHL players who uh, once played with Daniel Alfredson. Anyway, it'll be great to see him back in the organization, um, whatever the role ends up being. And it was great to have you with us, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. Don't forget that our website is sendsnationhockey.com. You can check out the hockey news. I'm the site editor of the Ottawa page. 
all kinds of neat articles there, as well as we're going to start putting up little clips from the podcast on the Hockey News page just to dress cool. up, just to, cl- just to class up the joint a little bit. So uh, look for that as well. And uh, we appreciate you being here once again. And Greg, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Steve. Have a good night. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.